On this episode of Resi Week, Monster is licensing itself, Dolby Atmos and Lizzo, as well as Cedia's new Power White Paper. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 200. I'm 100%. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Chief, the global leader in commercial AV mounting solutions. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by my good friend and Georgia Dogs fan, Jeremy Gowacki. He's the executive editor at Residential Tech Today. How are you, sir? Doing well. Just uh, getting through another week of football and uh, kind of happy that a college team's doing well, even though my NFL team is not. The Colts so are ready to pack it up. They're, they're waiting on that recruiting class for next year. That's right. The draft will be good. Then we have Joe Whitaker. He is the CEO of Thoughtful Integrations. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Thank you for having me back on and letting me make everybody late to this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wasn't going to mention your tardiness, but yeah, you are really stinking tardy. So uh, thanks for finally showing up. You're, you're lucky you're my friend, man. Otherwise, we would have dumped you long ago. Uh, last but not least, uh, we have Tim Albright. He is another friend of mine who is the co-founder of avnation.tv, this, this fancy little platform. How are you, sir? I am well. I am well. And not, what Joe doesn't realize is that nobody would have known that he was late because it's not like we're doing it live. No, we wouldn't have told anybody no. at all. We totally wouldn't have weaved it into our stories like the one we're going to start with, <clears throat> which comes to us from CE Pro Return of the Monster. So if you, if you were following the interwebs last week, the last two weeks or so, much ado was made about likely nothing where Monster's uh, websites went dark and you could no longer find them. You could no longer uh, go anywhere from that. They, they weren't redirecting. There wasn't a landing page. They were just gone. So, of course, uh, Julie Jacobson reached out and, and wrote a, a little article about what's going on with Monster disappearing from the interwebs. Uh, if you've been following the Monster saga, <clears throat> they obviously had their highs. Uh, then they had their lows, uh, which included a, uh, a run into cryptocurrency, uh, which I, I will posture was kind of laughable at best. But notwithstanding, they are back. They have ditched their uh, their HQ in San Fran last year and are down to a much smaller, nimble company with a plan for way more licensing. So, Jeremy, I want to start with you on this one. Monster's going down that path of licensing and, and trying to bank on the Monster brand and licensing that to, I believe, seven or eight different companies currently who are going to make a, a whole litany of different things. They're planning to release a, a bunch of this uh, new licensed product at CES. Is this something that, is this going to work? Is licensing the Monster name going to be effective for the monster brand well yeah you know i think that monster cable is known to a certain demographic of um 
AV enthusiasts that are of a certain age. Like, we're, you know, we talked a little bit before uh, we got on this uh, podcast that they're, you know, probably folks that are around our age, some of our ages, that the older part of our ages here, um, 45 to 50 plus um, will know the Monster Cable name more than folks that are a little younger. Now, I think Noel Lee thinks that the monster name is just cool in general. I think that he thinks that it's just a great moniker for any product. You know, it doesn't need to be associated with what we used to know as Monster Cable. Um, you know, he had a fight many times to to protect that brand. You know, there there was a, a mini golf company, for instance, a mom and pop. They got sued along the way that created quite a quite a um, stir that kind of gave him a bad name. Um, I got on that bandwagon because I thought that was terrible, but you know, you're protecting your brand uh, and monster mini golf is part of what looks like it's his brand, even though that's ridiculous, but he's putting it on so many things. He had monster mints back in the day, monster furniture, all these different things. And I think it worked as a point of sale, um, you know, add on a lot of times people started picking up on it when there was a circuit city in the mix and um, there were a lot more retail options opportunities there for AV. Um, you know, can you go into the, the article mentions Walmart. You, can you, we go into Walmart and be attracted to a product that has a monster name on it? That's a good question. I, I just, I think it's probably a little bit more noteworthy than a, um, just an off brand that you would never have heard of. It, it, it could work for, you know, certain products. Um, I, I, I think that the time probably has passed though. And I, I don't see it really affecting sales that well. That, that's my opinion. We'll, we'll see what happens. Very good. Joe, when you see this, when you read this, you're, you've been around and long enough to remember the good old days of Monster. Uh, is this something that really walks that tightrope of damaging what, dare I say, little brand equity Monster has left? with all they're doing is licensing products. Now, on this list of people they're licensing to, one of them that we know and love is Vanco. I don't know what that is. I don't know what they're doing with Vanco, but is this something where... This is one of those conversations where I can't say too much. No. Um, so it, it's, it's a good and bad thing at the same time. I mean, I do remember back in the day where I used to make money hand over fist with Monster Cable and Monster Power. I mean, it was like unstoppable amounts of money being printed just by being a direct dealer with them. Um, flash forward to today with the, you know, a Super Bowl commercial and, you know, their headphone run and other things they've done. I really don't think the brand value is there anymore. Personally, it's just like they lost traction um, quickly. Now, with their licensing procedure, this harkens back to actually when Monster was big, because a lot of people don't understand that technically, for the most part, for a lot of it, Monster licensed the Monster brand to themselves. Um, they didn't make their wall plates. They didn't make their cables, uh, which makes it interesting with the Vanco play, because what a lot of people don't understand is if you went into Ace Hardware, that's one of those accounts and you see in the wall plate section, the HDMI section, there are monster branded wall plates, monster branded, those even at that time were actually made by Vanco. Um, you go back to Monster Power, 
Monster Power, they had a couple of pieces that they made themselves, but those were maybe a lot by like PF Power and a couple other um, Chinese manufacturers. Those weren't even made by Monster. So they used to license the name to themselves, so to speak. Um, now they're just turning it on its head and saying, well, A, you used to make product X, Y, and Z for our brand. Why don't I just license that name to you now? We'll cut me out at the middleman, and you'll just pay me a licensing fee on the name. If that would have been a proposition eight years ago, brilliant. It would have made waves, made everybody a ton of money now. Noel's got to figure out how to recapture that name brand before it's actually worth the X amount of dollars that it might have been worth a decade ago. But, but it's actually, it's the same mechanism they've been using since day one. So to me, no surprises at all. Interesting. Tim, as, as one of the, the elders that I know on, on this call, um, you're kind of of the era where Monster meant a lot. Whereas for myself, being younger and more nimble, um, <clears throat> I don't remember it quite as quite as fondly. Is this something where it, it really just, as somebody who, all, all kidding aside, you don't play in the residential space. You don't come from the residential space. You know it because of your association with with us and what we're doing on you know this kind of show. Is this something where? that brand equity is just as Joe says, not, not even really part of the conversation conversation. Uh, not at this point. Um, I'll agree with Jeremy when he mentions Best Buy and, and, and Circuit City back in the day. Uh, and even Radio Shack since you, since you, you know, depending on how old I am. Um, but it was, <laughs> it, it was the whole, you know, these are gold tipped RCA connectors for crying out loud. Right. And they were gold tipped cause they're better. You know, it, it, it transported the audio better. It did whatever the gold, gold plated HDMI cables when they came out 15, 20 years ago. Um, that was the play, right? These are premium quote unquote. And yes, it's air quotes for that cables. We can just, we can distinguish between cables and the quality of cables all day long. Um, whether or not gold plating makes a difference for an HDMI connector um, is yet to be seen. But at one time, Joe's right, 10, 15 years ago, it had a cachet and it had a certain brand equity. But with all the stuff, good or bad, whoever is right or wrong on that, between Monster and Beats and the two teams that fought through that legal battle and Monster was on the losing end of that, let's be frank, I think, I think that took a big toll on that company. I think it took, took a big toll on them financially uh, and on the team. And I think this is, this is Noel's kind of second or third or maybe even fourth chance at this point to, to bring, get back some of that, that cachet that, that the monster brand once had. Very good. Uh, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from our residential tech today. If you are curious about Dolby Atmos, and I know you are, the one person that you should ask is Lizzo. Whoa. Now, <laughs> very good. Now, if you don't know who Lizzo are, is, uh, one, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, but you also may not be fluent in, in the hip hop world or. Okay, uh, boomer. Don't have to. Okay. Thank yeah, you. Okay, boomer. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Dolby has unveiled its first consumer campaign to kind of remarket Dolby Atmos as not just something for the theater, but something for music. And they've done it uh, with a two minute film campaign that they're going to do with multiple artists, but they're starting it off 
with multi-Grammy nominated artist Lizzo. Again, check her out. You, you will either like her or hate her, one or the other. Uh, Joe, I want to start with you on this. To me, this is amazing. I love the concept of concert DVDs and listening to music in a surround sound environment if it's mastered for that. Adding Atmos to it, you're shaking your head, but you're wrong. Adding Atmos to it, to me, if it's recorded and mastered properly, seems just like an Are there birds experience. flying over your head during the concert? What are you trying to hear out of these speakers in the ceiling? I, I mean, know. I actually, no, I read this article and then I actually did some research on it. And I started thinking from kind of, you know, the, the uh, commercial stage um, uh, venue portion of it. You know, you talk about, uh, the, the, you know, the person mentioned in this article, but then also, you know, Drake and all those, you think about the way that's mastered in a studio, it's right and left, dude. You're, you're not listening to the guy back at the soundboard at back of the house talking about, do you need more in your monitors? No, you don't hear that. You don't want to hear that. Um, the same thing is, okay, I could see this in a symphony um, aspect where you're listening from the conductor's um, standpoint because then you hear hear all of those things surrounding you the way um, – a good example, uh, a tuba. The way a tuba works in a stage is typically you hear that from up high. It's just the way a tuba works in symphony. However, you, you look at things that were mastered in the way you enjoyed vinyl or the way you enjoyed digital recording things. You look at stuff from ACDC. You know that you're going to hear that guitar on the left. You know it is there. You know the singer is in the center. You know all of this. The minute you, I mean... Woodstock might have been cool in Atmos because you'd, you'd hear the birds flying over. Or, you know, it's like when I watch baseball, um, I turn surround sound off because if you've ever watched baseball in a broadcast setting, you know that all you're going to hear is the stadium crowd coming out of your rear speakers. That is such an annoyance. I don't, I know, no, I just, I don't think this is a good idea. Um, audio is built for right and left. You don't have angels singing from the clouds. I've I've always had a little trouble with surround music in general. Um, there have been different versions of it, and this is just adding more chan channels to the to the mix. Literally, um, I think that in a live performance type of uh, recording, I think that's kind of cool. You know, I mean, it adds atmosphere. It adds um, a feeling of the room. It's more than the conductor's space in a in an orchestra. It's it's kind of opening up the space that you're in. So you feel, you can kind of have the reverberations of the room a little bit more accurately. That's a live recording, you know, if it's done well. I don't think like, you know, Joe's saying the studio, it's, it's, it's off-putting, it's weird. You're, you're not supposed to be hit, getting hit from all sides <laughs> uh, with the music, right? It's weird. Let me ask this, because there's a number of recordings in there. There's, uh, Sennheiser makes one, um, a couple other folks make a binaural microphone, right? So you can, you can record in stereo. Now, if, if any of my old students are, are listening, they're going to freak out now because I have told folks for years that if you're recording a, a podcast, you speak in mono. You, it's impossible to speak in stereo, so why record in it, right? And that's a whole other thing. We can talk about why, why we don't at AV Nation. We, we, we produce everything in mono because it's, it's just us. But in a recording, though, I mean, you could feel like you're in the middle of a recording studio with Lizzo, right? And if she moves her head left or right, you would hear that. Is that, am I, am I missing something here? That, that's a no, whole different no. experience. It's a distraction, though. 
It's a distraction instead of instead of actually listening to the if lyrics. You're not, if you're and not, enjoying if you're the not, song, if you're not expecting it. Though. Follow if, where she is. If if you're not expecting it, I mean, I I, I can see a thing where where you're buying an Atmos version of, of an album versus a, a, a two-track version of an album. What I find interesting is, and they haven't <laughs> really dug into this, whether this is going to be, because they're talking about Atmos-enabled Blu-ray discs. They haven't mentioned whether that's going to be strictly an audio disc or whether it's going mm-hmm. to be essentially an Atmos-enabled concert track or, or, or concert movie. And I, I'll... I'll kind of push back on all three of you, I guess, on this one. We use some demo tracks and demo Blu-rays to demo almost every system we put in. (laughs) And we're using concert videos. Now, when you go into a concert venue and you're listening to that, and whether it's a concert or a studio, you will hear, hear reflections. You will hear and can hear spatial differences when you're working in that recording space of I'm sitting in the middle of the chair and Adele's singing in the corner and her piano player is sitting right beside me. I'm in with the Boston Pops listening to Chris Bodie and he's playing on stage and I've got the orchestra fanned out around him and I have Billy Kilson on the drums to my right. You're going to hear that and it's going to reflect differently. If they add the visual component, I don't think this is even a question of whether it'll work or not, or if it's weird or not, I'd say you're wrong. If it's just audio and you have no frame of reference for why you're hearing different things spatially, that'll be the, the interesting point. Well, yes, it, it would be awesome if like it's something at you know, uh, the Philharmonic, right? And it tells you you're in this seat. You're on row A, seat 10. This is exactly what it sounds like in that seat. It's also, it could be used as a promo to make people buy better seats. But, you know, for the most part, I don't think it's legitimate unless you, it would be great for Pink Floyd and it would be great for Ice Cube because you hear the gunshots behind you and the helicopter flying over. Okay, fair enough. But for the most part, it's, every time I go to a concert, went to Foo Fighters recently, I'm listening to Right and Left. All right, there you have it. Let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Systems. Cedia has released a quality of power white paper. <coughs> this is, uh, I think, their fifth uh, white paper that they've released this year, <coughs> including an integrator's guide to video and colorimetry, a integrator's guide to video resolution, infrastructure for cabling for voice, data, and video, and securing the residential network. Tim, I, I want to come and start with you on this one. Part of this this plan uh, with white papers is to support uh, CDS strategy of raising professional the professionalism of the industry through their standards, best practices, and guidelines, etc. Are white papers enough for that? Is this something where you can release a white paper and people will hopefully see it and put it into practice, or is it? really just information that's out there and, and they're hoping people latch on to it. Uh, no, it's a good step. It's a good first step. It, it's not going to be, I mean, I, I couldn't give this to a, a green tech and say here, you know, now, now you're an expert in, in power. Right. Uh, but it's, it, I, I think it's a good step. I think it's a good, it's a good uh, precursor um, to other, to other CDA uh, courses or to courses for 
well, with other um, manufacturer suppliers. I mean, uh, you and I typically hang out uh, with two off the top of my head, Taurus and Surgex, right? Uh, folks mm-hmm. have some great courses, some great manufacturers training that are not just here by our products, but it's legitimate, you know, uh, good information that you can take and, and, and you can, you know, send your text to and, and, and send yourself to, to get a good working knowledge of some of the issues. So is this an end all to be all? No, but it's a good start. Very good. Jeremy, oddly enough, you and I were talking power in, in reference to the, uh, the monster power story that we, we covered earlier. And that, that creation of that industry, the, the, the power filtration kind of, kind of industry side of things. Is this something where hopefully integrators will latch onto it? And, and if they don't understand how important power is, they'll actually, as I said, latch onto it and, and, take it and, and, and utilize it? Or is it still something that's going to be widely kind of dismissed as important, but not something we're going to allocate budget to? Well, I think that if you're a, a veteran in this industry, you're going to include power uh, management in your projects. And it's just going to be a line item. It's going to be part of your service. It's not going to be discussed because um, most clients aren't going to understand why, you know, what, what the ins and outs of the power por- portion of this. But I think if you need to be able to make a case for it, if you have a client that's going through and kind of saying, why I, I want to take cross this part off of the, you know, proposal, uh, the bid, uh, this is why you, you, this is how you explain it to them. You know, these are the, the crucial elements that uh, go into a system that need to be protected or, um, to provide better quality through uh, a cleaner power um, option, you know. So I think it's one of those areas where, especially with IT sort of based um, systems now, it's the most vulnerable, you know. Uh, if you have bad power, you can have systems going offline, you know, your streaming services can get affected. Um, and I think that uh, that's probably part of this paper, you know, you have to be a CDM member to access the details on this. So we only got kind of a thumbnail sketch of what's in it. But I'm assuming those are parts of the explanation there and getting into details about what, um, you know, the levels of of options that are out there. Um, So I I think this is, again, great starting point and a very uh, important element to learn about from whether, especially if you're you're beginning in this business, the veterans are going to know it. And this may just give them some language to use with their clients if they need it. Very good. Speaking of language to use with their clients, Joe, the biggest concern I always have with the power conversation, and it, it comes up every time I'm interviewing or, or talking to somebody from Surgex or Panamax or uh, <coughs> Rosewater or, or any of those companies, how do you communicate the power issue to the clients? How, how do you put it in terms that they understand and that they don't view as, you know, pseudoscience that doesn't really matter to me? It, it, it's hard to even explain this to people in our industry, you know, because when you have to approach a client and actually explain to them that, you know, there's a difference between filtration, protection, suppression, and elimination. And when you're moving that target, those prices do go up. And by the way, let's not forget the battery portion of it because we got to keep that level steady. Um, I I mean, it it does become a little bit rough of a conversation, but to be able to tell them, one of the greatest examples ever is, you know, you could talk to a client about surges, brownouts, and total power outages. 
And then why, when a total power outage happens, it's funny how when things come back on, things just work. Well, that's a big house reboot. But you explain to them, have you ever experienced like a, you know, a brownout or a dip in your power? And now all of a sudden, poor, you know, your computer's not working right. It's because that thing shut off service to try to stay alive. And without a full power outage, they don't all come back on. They don't just turn all the services on in the box. So you have to explain to them that, you know, here are your, you know, your, your couple of down points. You know, you've got to protect yourself from the surges. You've got to keep your power steady. You've got to keep it clean because you don't want hum and buzz and all the other things that come along with it. And then you always, power is like the worst one to talk to them about because you got to say, you not only have to protect your incoming electrical, but your incoming coach, your incoming phone, your incoming data, because the, the, the percentage is staggering on when those surges happen and destroy electronics, a large percent of the time, doesn't even come from, elect, from the electrical. It comes from an ISP or, or incoming cable and something else. So you have to break that down to them and do the, you know, the old sales technique that the old sales guys use. You know, you bring them in, you talk to them, you find out what the problems are, and then you just destroy them. You know, you just bring them all down to a crushed level and then say, oh, by the way, we can make sure that never happens to you again in the future. Because um, that's what they're dealing with, you know. And, and customers, they don't understand just like they don't understand networks. You've got to talk to them about uptime, downtime, and damages. Very good. All right, let's leave it there. Thank you. That's all the time we have today. Jeremy, if people want to connect with you, learn more about residential tech today, where can they do that? Um, they can find me on Twitter uh, at glowwalkie underscore Jeremy, or better yet, go to restechtoday.com and um, find me there or subscribe to the magazine, most importantly. Excellent. Thank you again for joining us. Joe, my good friend, thank you for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about thoughtful integrations, where can they do that? You can always email me directly, joe at thoughtfulintegrations.com. Check out our website at thoughtfulintegrations.com. Find us on Facebook at Thoughtful Integrations. And of course, you can always find me somewhere at CDN. Excellent. Thank you so much, Tim. Of course, thank you for joining me on our 200th episode. Uh, it's a fun milestone for us. Uh, people want to connect with you, learn about uh, the Bears not doing well or the Blues. Somewhat I think the Bears are hockey. technically doing better than the Cowboys at this point. Are the Cowboys playing this year? <laughs> ha! Wow. Huh. Interesting. If people <laughs> want to connect with you, learn more about AV Nation, where can they do that? But congratulations, first and foremost, for hitting 200. So that, that is a cool milestone. Uh, but if you want to do it, uh, at TD Albright, Tim David Albright on the Twitters is the best place or link or LinkedIn, either one. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform, but more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you uh, check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. I'm so tired of coughing. Hold that. No. Sorry, Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> you need to...